Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello, welcome back everyone. This is Sarah and it's been so long. I know, this is Katie and it has been so long. Uh, (laughs) You guys, thank you for your patience. Last week I was sick and normally we have like a backlog of episodes to release so we're not like waiting right for the date to release it but uh, yeah, that wasn't the case last week. I had to postpone so sorry about the missed week but we're back. We are back. We are doing the best we can. Normally, like Katie said, we have a backlog, but the week before I had to cancel because hashtag nearly about to pop out this baby. So you guys, she's about to pop. I mean, next week, probably if he's coming. So (laughs) it could be this week, could be next week. It's literally any day. So it it might be that there's a recording where my waters just break and I'm like, hey, guys. (laughs) Gotta go. Gotta get to the hospital. My water just broke on air. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, um, I just have a couple of quick little announcements before we get into it today. We have a couple of new patrons that I want to shout out. Uh, Yeah. So hello and welcome to Elizabeth. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Hello, Elizabeth. And Holly. Hi, Holly. Welcome. Thank you guys so much. Holly. Welcome, Elizabeth and Holly, and thanks for your support. Yeah, um, Patreon is a lot of fun. If you guys want some extra content, go over there. It's patreon.com slash notsomollymormon. You have to look it up that way because it's like adult content. I don't know. We don't get naked, but whatever. (laughs) Which we're pretty sure we've had some people join in the past thinking that that was the case, and they quickly (laughs) left after a day see Sarah's boobs and then they weren't there and they were like bye uh (laughs) another really another really quick quick announcement so I just wanted to give an update uh our our listener patron now friend Jeff he was on the show a couple months ago um go listen to his episode if you haven't but he his his story was pretty heartbreaking because it involved um his then wife now ex-wife um basically diagnosing him as an addict when he wasn't a sex addict when he wasn't and she was keeping his children from him and he messaged us to let us know he got his kids back and I I didn't know that he just couldn't be more thrilled for him and congratulations Jeff you stuck through it like one of the hardest things of your whole life and I think it's important to share that it does get better you know you, you can go through that and come out the other end and you'll be okay so Yay, Jeff. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I'm so happy for you, Jeff. Like, wow, that's that's amazing. A lot of these messages that are coming through, I am not going to lie, I have not had the chance to read. So that is a pleasant little surprise for me that I didn't Isn't that know. lovely? I know. Yeah. Um, yeah that's great. <laughs> Wonderful. So, um, Sarah, do you have any announcements? No, I don't. I feel like I... Pretty boring, you guys. Sorry. I mean, you're not boring. You're about to give birth. That's an announcement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to birth a human for my vagina. So that. Oh, God. Oh, God. God. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, with that being said, today we have a very special guest. Uh, we're very excited to have him. Big welcome to Brayden. Hello. Hi, Brayden. Hello. <laughs> We're so excited to have you on the show. Uh, Brayden was very gracious and switched recording times because of me being sick. So we're finally going to be able to chat. And um, I'm just so excited to hear, 
your story through this cult that we survived. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Where do you want to Where do you want to begin? Wherever you want to start your story, whatever you want to chat about. Okay. Yeah, yes. it's yours. Yeah. Yeah, sure. First of all, I, I thanks for thanks for having me. You know, having me on and allowing me oh, to, yeah. to share my story. And I'm just glad, like, you know, we're we're finally able to to sit down and, and chat. So. Oh yeah. Thank you. Of course. Also, Brayden, you have a radio voice. For real. Very soothing. <laughs> it is. Oh. It's a very nice voice. I think a lot of our listeners are gonna develop a Brayden crush. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well. Thank you. I've I've never been told that, but I'll I'll take that. <laughs> it's a good compliment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. And um, I I did want to say first of all before getting into, into you know my my story, um, I've I've been listening to your podcast probably since uh like the last last several months. I don't know exactly when, but like listening to it religiously. Um, oh. My, <laughs> yeah. It's it's great. Like. I uh I don't even listen to music or anything. It's it's literally you guys in my ear all the time. So Oh, I'm so flattered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean so I, nice. I've gone back through all the episodes. Um I would say there's probably less than ten that I haven't I haven't listened Damn. to. So wow. <laughs> oh my god, you made it through the early ones. I'm always so impressed <laughs> when people listen to those. They were god, so, so cringy, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it, it's to me, it's it's refreshing to hear um, like the the realism of it. There, you know, there's there's plenty of other other podcasts and YouTube channels and things to go, you know, listen to, and mm-hmm. and they're they're great. They all do a good job. But I I uh, find that listening to you guys is is therapeutic, and Aww. and you bring some some humor to it. So um, thank you. I, I did want to say thank you guys for for what you're doing and. Uh, oh, it continues for a long time. That means a lot to us. Like Sarah and I sometimes will get a little down or we'll read nasty comments or reviews and we're like, why are we even doing this? But then to hear that that you you could sit there and listen to us for hours, it's um it's very flattering and very nice and refreshing. So thank you. Yeah, oh. thank you so much. And especially <laughs> as I'm like super hormonal right now, I'm not gonna lie, I'm holding back the tears. So thank you, Brayden. <laughs> and that's like it's it's really like Katie said. It's just um, encouraging and refreshing to hear. And also, obviously, we couldn't do the podcast without listeners and supporters like you. And yeah, and so yeah, that's amazing you. to hear. And it's amazing to see the community that we do have because so many people are uplifting. Like I just think it's incredible. Like the comments or seeing the interactions between the listeners and being like, shit, people are really bonding and finding this therapeutic without us. Oh yeah and involved in the equation it's just yeah, like it's cool it's amazing yeah yeah, yeah I, I agree it's it's awesome the the community that um I, I think pretty organically was created um through through you guys through your podcast and mm-hmm. I, I think it's pretty amazing so oh thank you <laughs> yeah tell us more Brayden tell me I can go on yeah <laughs> compliment us for the whole hour <laughs> oh, yeah for sure and then also real real quick sarah congratulations um yeah. that's that's exciting i'm i'm Thank glad that you, you that uh, you decided to multiply and replenish the earth so <laughs> I, did. I was like special jesus and i had a conversation he was like sarah you need to bless the earth with more little ex-mormon evil robot bitches and i was like okay. yes i yes. guess and i have to do awesome. it and better yet this one's gonna have a british accent so. I know. <laughs> so cute. 
His little British accent and drinking tea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, there you go. Break that word of wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Raising some heathens. No, but thank you. Yeah, of course. So, Brayden, first of all, I have a question. Where are you from? Like, to, or where are you living? What's what's happening? Yeah, so I I live in Utah, um, like right in the middle of Utah County. I live in in <gasps> Spanish Fork. So. Oh, um, Spanish Fork. We know Spanish it. Spanish Fork. Oh. Good old Spanish Fork. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah, born and born and raised, grew up in Utah, like pretty much your stereotypical Utah Mormon guy until, you know, the last couple of years. So. Uh (laughs) Oh, I cannot wait. I think it's, I mean, we love all of the guests we have on the show, but I think especially when we have men on the show, because it's just such a different perspective than Mm -hmm. what we had growing up in the Mormon church and especially the elements of the priesthood and like feeling the pressure to go on a mission and all of that stuff. So I'm, Super excited to hear your story and how you left the church, especially now that you're you're still in Utah. Like you have to deal with this <laughs> in your face every single day. I my hat is off to you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It is it is kind of a funny funny predicament because I I actually do love like the state of Utah itself. Um, mm-hmm. Like it, it's to me it's it's a great place to live and. I, I'm an outdoors person, so oh, there you of, go. There's plenty of recreation, you know. Um, it's gorgeous too. It's yeah. just like one of the most beautiful Absolutely. outdoors places ever. Yeah. Yeah, it really exactly. is. Um, but then again, you do have to deal with, you know, the 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 culture, um, especially in in Utah County, where literally everything is Mormon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> it, it's it's funny because I've kind of learned. Um, or am learning, I guess, to, to just kind of ignore it. And I, I've always kind of had an attitude of, of, um, like defiance, I guess, mm. uh, like, like a, like a punk rock attitude, I guess. So <laughs> nice. it, it, yeah, I, I kind of like, um, you know, the, the shocking the culture a little bit that I live in, if that makes okay. any sense. Yeah, totally. Um, kind of, kind of stirring things up. But oh, I anyways. love it. You're that person. You're that person who, when I was Mormon, was like, ugh, this this guy is just like totally <laughs> stirring the pot and like doing things just to be annoying. But really, I love it now because I'm like, good. It's like you're 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 being defiant and calling them out when you live amongst them. Like I think, or like brilliant. making them uncomfortable with your presence. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was me when I was leaving the church. Um, I uh. Like I would dye my hair purple and green and I would wear tank tops and oh my God, people would be flustered. <laughs> <laughs> they hated it. They just could hated not it. deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny you say that. Cause, um, I, I, I rock a Mohawk, full blown Mohawk. Yes. Uh, you know, tattoos. I wear my, my tank tops with pride and, and the looks I get as I'm walking, you know, through the grocery stores. <laughs> the it, grocery it, store, Spanish fork. Yeah. You exactly. Definitely- yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, um, anyways, I, if you don't mind, I kind of get, get started going through. Oh, uh, yes, my, please. My, please my do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I said, born and born and raised in Utah, um, as they say, born in the covenant. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see, come, you know, pioneer heritage, um, like pretty much all my ancestors walked their asses across the plains and, <laughs> What? Yeah. So, um, yeah, 
there's a there's a guy that's actually mentioned in the Doctrine and Covenants that's like one of my great great grandpas. <gasps> Whoa. Uh, Newell Newell Knight. And oh my like, god. He was pretty chummy with Joseph Smith apparently. So. Oh Newell. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were like, yeah, the elite of the elite of the pioneers. You were even meant your family was mentioned in the Doctrine and Covenants. That's exactly. like bragging yeah. rights and Mormonism. Oh, for sure. That's and like, like you could have any Molly Mormon you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's so funny because like I it, I had that kind of in the back of my head, like, yeah, like I am legit Mormon, you know, royalty. Mm, but, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so stupid. Anyways, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so my dad, um, was actually my bishop twice through my life. No um, way. Twice. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. Um, so. Oh, so sorry. Can I just pause there for like those who didn't grow up in the church? Like why this is significant is that we have to have these like interviews and worthiness to interviews, which are already awkward enough to have with a stranger. And, and it's for women, especially like a man, but like you have it with your dad. And these are like questions like, <laughs> you know, they're really uncomfortable questions. Like, and there's no way that you would feel comfortable having these interviews with your dad. I don't think maybe I'm wrong, but uh, yeah, yeah. Awkward. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, exactly. You're exactly right. And, um, I, I remember, I think I was, I was like 12 or 13 and I had just become like a deacon and, and was, was, you know, all in, all in the church, everything. And, um, I was scheduled for my, I guess my yearly interview with the Bishop, who's my dad. And I go in and, and, you know, he, he started asking me the questions like, oh, do you masturbate? Like, have you viewed oh, pornography? And, like, oh, oh. and and of course I did, you know, I'm a, yeah. I'm a normal teenage boy. Uh, and, yeah. And, and like talking to him about it, it was it was weird because I was talking to him as my bishop, but knowing he's my dad at the same time, like, oh, looking back on it, like those are actually probably healthy conversations that you should yeah. have with with your with your teenage children is like, you know, healthy sexual conversations. Mm-hmm. Like, do you masturbate? Like, you know, let's, let's have conversations like that. But when it's, when it's your dad as a bishop, it's so it's weird. Entirely. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. And it's like well, at the church weird. building. Yeah. Exactly. It's weird. And it's like shame inducing, right? Like I'm all for having like those healthy conversations with your kids and as much as they might be uncomfortable or weird, like I think, you know, now, especially that I'm expecting a boy too, like I want to be able to have that conversation with him and just be like, you know, masturbation is great. Like do it, you know, like feel it's a natural thing. But that's like in a bishop interview or with anyone in the Mormon church, it's always like you shouldn't be doing it. It's a bad mm-hmm. thing. It's, mm-hmm. You have to repent. Like this isn't natural. This goes against what God wants. And it's just like so shame inducing instead of, as you mentioned, it could be a really actually great conversation to develop communication between you and your parent that's healthy and natural and like what you want in a relationship, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's the, the fucked up thing about it is I remember. So after, you know, confessing my sins to my dad, um, we, it would, uh, weeks, weeks down the road, he would, he would, you know, pull me aside at home. Like we're doing yard work or whatever. And he'd be like, Hey, how's, How's your masturbation problem? Oh, like, God. What the hell? Oh, 
no. And it's like, yeah, and it's framed as, as a masturbation problem, you know? Right, exactly. That's yeah. why, yeah, like, yeah, that shame, that guilt, it's a problem. And then you're also converging the bishop with the, the at-home yard work dad. Like, that's got to be confusing, too. Yeah, exactly. you're like, oh, sorry, dad, I haven't had a wank today. I've been too busy in the garden, but... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah and I mean not not to completely fault my dad but because I think he did have some some good intentions but the yeah just the weirdness of him um as as my bishop and my dad and then like mixing those conversations between those two roles was yeah it, it was it was tough Oh, yeah, well, I'm sure it's conflicting for him, of course, because, you know, he wants to be a good father, but he also has the pressure of like the Mormon church and being a bishop and knowing that like he has a, a responsibility to fulfill his calling. And so he's, you know, maybe asking those questions when he didn't really want to, but felt that pressure to do it in that way and in that manner. So it's, it's tough. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I mean, it's, it's, it's the only way he knows you know, because he he grew up in the church, like it's the only way he knows to talk about it is you know from the perspective of the church, and it's a it's a problem and it's a sin and right you know, on and on. So right to to be to be fair, um, I mean he he's pretty brainwashed as well. So <laughs> well, yeah, I think um, that they're all like <laughs> I think that most bishops are victims of the church as well, and then they perpetuate it onto the members of the ward. It's like yeah, it's how the system works, really. Yeah, it's yeah. a never-ending cycle. It's really sad. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, so let's see. So um, yeah, so he was he was bishop twice, and with that, there also comes um, he was he was gone like all the time mm-hmm. um, because he's always visiting other members in the ward or he has meetings. Um, you know, he would have a, a meeting before church at six in the morning and then he would be at meetings till six at night after church. And, you know, it, it, yeah. it was kind of, it was kind of tough with that. And so I think there's part of that as well, where he wanted to be um, a, a good dad, but was pulled away from his church responsibilities so much that it, it was probably hard for him to, to kind of balance that as well. Oh, for sure. I don't know if um, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but my dad is currently a bishop in uh, Orem, Utah. So I I forgot until like recently when I visited a little while ago how busy bishops are. It is like a full-time job. Like Braden was just saying, it's like he really does get up at six, like five or six a.m. on Sundays and stays there till like 7 p.m. And then every single day of the week is like doing something for someone or conducting a funeral or a wedding or serving or whatever. It's like crazy how busy they are and how much they take them away from their families with that That's role wild. Mm-hmm. yeah and they do it all for free for free yep <laughs> on, for their, free. on their own time free. yeah yeah and I yeah. always find it so contradicting to you know like the Mormon church talks so much about families being together forever but having this sense of closeness and being with your family as much as possible and blah 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 but when you have members of the church who are in these callings that require you to be outside your home, plus, you know, you have a full-time job on top of that for the most part. Like, when do you have time to spend with your family? Like, exactly. isn't that the opposite of what you preach is that you should be 
spending as much time with your family as possible, but then they require you to be outside the home a lot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Spending yeah. time with other people's families. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So um, again, that was, that was tough. And I know like a lot of, of the uh, other guests you've had on the show, a lot of them have mentioned like dad as a bishop. And, and I, it kind of makes me wonder if, if that is kind of a, a catalyst for, um, like subconsciously people leaving the church later down the road because having a dad as a bishop can be can be pretty challenging. Oh, yeah. That's a really interesting theory. I had never thought of that, but I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely developed kind of a, a bitterness, especially as I as I grew older, because he was he was bishop when I was um, like elementary age, and mm-hmm. and I at that time I thought it was pretty cool, like. Oh, my dad's like the most famous person in the ward. Kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah. And you know, I'm just I'm just For naive, sure. right? Just as a kid. And then once I got older, like started growing into my into my teens, um, things kind of within my family started to, to change. And I at the time it was it was hard to identify. Um, and I'll and I'll kind of get into that here in a little bit, but um things things started to change. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm I've always kind of a I've been kind of a defiant person. Like I'll, I'll follow rules to an extent, but if it doesn't make sense, then, you know, I, I, I don't do it. But, nice. <laughs> um, so I saw, you know, I definitely started having my, my rebellious teenage phases. Um, but then at the same time I was, you know, the, the deacon's corn president, the teacher's corn president, like, and, and with that, I was, I had to go to, um, you know, after church meetings and before yeah. church meetings and, and uh fucking collecting fast offerings and oh that just seems so terrible like so listeners if you didn't grow up mormon they make these like 13 or you're 13 years old right 13 14 year olds they have to go around (laughs) asking all the members of the ward for their fast offerings which is the money you would have spent on two meals oh (laughs) Oh, it just sounds miserable to make like that's the last thing a 13 year old wants to be doing (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And to make it worse, so you're you're 13 years old. You've been you've been starving all morning, and then after church, you go you know walk around the ward collecting fast offerings. And every damn house you go into, they're cooking a meal. Oh so yeah. You walk in, oh. You smell like roast and bread, and it is like it is infuriating. It's like torture. <laughs> it is torture. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, also, it's like next level of the Mormon church. Now that we know exactly uh-huh. how much the church is worth, does this not just make your blood boil to know that they send out 13-year-old boys to people's homes to collect fast and like fast offering yeah. and more money? And some of these homes, like it's just so cringy. Of course, people are going to give because you have a 13-year-old from the Mormon church showing up at your door asking if you have any. They're going to feel obliged even if they don't have the money for it. A starving 13-year-old on top yeah. of that. Yeah. Tell me me that's not manipulation right there, where you have a starving 13-year-old on your porch asking, you know, for money. Exactly. Exactly. So corrupt. (laughs) Disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, anyways, I, I, uh, you know, growing growing through my my teenage years, again, started to rebel. Um, My parents and I really started to to butt heads, and um, there was was kind of a lot of, of... manipulation and and things like that that I was completely completely unaware of. So um 
basically about two, two to three years ago, um, I, I'm sorry, I'm jumping, jumping way ahead, but about two to three years ago, my wife and I um, went through some, some marriage counseling and mm-hmm. um, the, the therapist was actually, she was really cool. She was ex-Mormon. Um, and oh. it was funny because our ward was actually paying for the therapy. So, <laughs> oh, oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we went that to, to that and it, honestly, it was, it was like the best thing that, that we could have ever done for ourselves. Um, now our, our marriage is, is like 10 times stronger than, than it could ever have been. Um, you know, really oh, worked good. out communication, um, uh, worked out a lot of, a lot of my, my past trauma within the church and within my family, um, identifying, you know, behaviors that I had that I had picked up that were, um, that were toxic and that, that I needed to change. And so, um, well done, Brayden. I just have, yeah, that's wonderful right now. The fact that you have that sense of self-awareness from therapy and that you took the initiative with your wife to go, and now you're able to acknowledge these things. Like, I think to me, that's one of the most respectable thing or quality in a person is when they can recognize those things, make the changes to improve either themselves or their relationships or both. Like, I think that's really commendable. Me too. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, and to go along with that, like I, I completely believe in, in professional therapy and I want to emphasize professional because, you know, bishops aren't professional. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) So, and, and even if you're not like really going through, um, something traumatic or really working through something like even just having somebody to just talk to you on a weekly basis, um, it can, it can improve your quality of life tremendously. For sure. hundred percent agree. I, I think therapy is so incredible and amazing and I do understand it's, it's a privilege to be able to afford to do it if in most cases, or if you have access to it. But like you said, Brayden, I think it's, it's amazing. And it's not something that has to be, you know, you go for a traumatic event, but just in general to have, because sometimes you get into therapy and you start talking and you're like, shit, I didn't realize any of that stuff was in the back of my head or it was something that I've been holding on to for a long time until I spoke to a professional who was unbiased and was able to help me unravel these things. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. I think it's, it's really helpful and I couldn't agree more. We're, we're big fans of therapy. Yes, therapy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and to, so something funny to kind of go along with that, and this is, this is a sidetrack, but, um, my wife and I have recently, uh, started golfing every weekend, every Sunday we'll go golfing. And, oh, nice. Yeah. And so now that is our, uh, we call it our weekly therapy session or, or our, uh, weekly church. <laughs> I was going to say that's your church. That's, that's amazing. Our church. Yeah. And that's your Sabbath is, day. Your Sabbath exactly. worship is golfing. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah, we, you know, we, we take the sacrament with our, uh, you know, our spiked Arnold Palmers, or, <laughs> uh, things like that. So. Yes. I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. It's, it's fun. Anyways. Um, so back to my, I was probably, I would say 13, 14, 15. I was probably still, um, a, a pretty obedient child when it comes to, you know, the church and my parents and things like that. Um, but I would say probably about 15, 14, 15, um, is really when I started to kind of rebel. Um, and I say rebel 
but at the same time, like I was still forced to go to church every week and still mm-hmm. forced to go to mutual. And, and so I was still kind of in it and I, I was taking some things away from it, I thought, but, um, at the same time I was like, you know, I just want to have fun. I'm a, I'm a kid. I just want to yeah. you know, screw around and have fun. Like, the, I don't want to do all this boring shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why do I? Why, why? Yeah. Exactly. Boring shit. So. Um. But yeah, and then so within my family, um, there was there was a lot of uh, like I said, I didn't realize it at the time, but there was a lot of of toxic, um, situations and toxic behavior, and um, again going back to this this therapy, uh, one thing that actually came out was was realizing and finding out that my mom had been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, for those that don't know, it's, it's pretty similar to like a narcissistic personality disorder. And there's, there's several different types of, of like personality disorders, but more closely related to like narcissistic, uh, narcissistic personality disorder. Um, whereas like the, the behaviors are pretty similar, but the reasons for the behaviors are different, if that makes oh, sense. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, very um, interesting. Yeah, so if you don't mind, I'll just, there's there's eight characteristics of borderline personality disorder. And I actually yes, think this great. is important to read um, because understanding um, these behaviors in someone else, you can it, you can set boundaries. And that's that's the biggest thing. And that's really what's what's helped me. So. Well, and also, sorry, before you get that, I think it's really great that you're you're reading this out and clarifying it and setting the record straight, because I think a lot of times with mental health and especially certain terms we've just used in slang or in jest, and we don't really understand what that means. And so when you meet someone who has it, you kind of joke or mock because you don't understand what it means. And like, even with this borderline personality, I don't know fully what that means. And I'm, I think it's great to educate and to let our listeners know, like if they don't know already what that actually means or what the characteristics are and to explain yeah. a bit of the background. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And I mean, that's, a, that's exactly what I want to do is, is if there's somebody that's listening that, that is experiencing these systems because or symptoms, excuse me, but, um, it's for people that have borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, they um, are very adamant that they do not have a personality disorder. Like they, that they are, that they're perfect. They have no mental, you know, mental illness. Um, So that's, that's probably the biggest challenge with it is, is getting them to get help. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then again, if if you're able to recognize these these behaviors in in people, you can you can set boundaries and maybe help them get the help that they need. So mm-hmm. that's that's ultimately kind of what I want to what I want to bring by by reading these characteristics. So, um, and it's just real quick. So first first of all, is a fear of abandonment. So they're always af- afraid of of um, family members or friends just just leaving them, even if there's not like a really good reason for it. They're just afraid mm-hmm. of of people leaving. And so they, they tend to do manipulate, uh, manipulate people around them into staying, even though gotcha. things are like gotcha. toxic and, and, um, you, you know, not healthy. So, um, yeah. again, un- unstable relationships, uh, again, going back to that unclear shifting self image, um, they, they're always afraid that they are not appearing, um, how they think they appear to other people. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
and that that was actually a a, a major part of of um, growing up in this in this household is I anytime I went out of the house I had to represent my family like perfectly and mm. and it had to be done in the way that the the church would say behaving perfectly right yeah mm-hmm. God, that's um, so much pressure that's so yeah. Yeah. for real yeah it was it was a lot um so going on uh, impulsive self-destructive behaviors uh, self-harm uh, extreme emotional swings chronic feelings of emptiness and explosive anger um oh. so so and I, and I I do want to point out like it, it's it's extremely difficult to live with somebody that has borderline personality disorder but at the same time having burst, uh, borderline personality disorder um, it, it can be a pretty pretty miserable life if if you don't get treatment for it yeah, I can imagine. And and I know this is like different for each person. And obviously, disclaimer, none of us are doctors, unless Brayden, you are a doctor, and I don't know. Um, <laughs> but like, just to clarify for the beginning, but I'm just curious, like what, if you know, or I'm sure you do, like what the, the treatments are for borderline personality disorder. Um, as you mentioned, like you should get it treated as soon as as you can basically, but like, what, what does that entail? Yeah. So my, my understanding of it is, is not very comprehensive. Um, I, I know the, the main thing that they try to push is therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. and like I said, the, the biggest problem is getting them to realize that they have a mental illness or, you know, a, a disorder, um, because they don't want to appear as imperfect to anybody. Right. Yeah. Um, even, even if it is a therapist trying to, you know, help them change perha- uh, behaviors or, um, you know, perspectives or things like that. So, yeah. Wow. Um, I, I know, like, I know medications can help yeah, antidepressants and things like that, mm-hmm. but, um, I, I think the biggest thing is, is therapy. Is therapy. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, there was, there was a lot of, of like ups and downs and I'm sure you guys have heard the term, you know, walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's, there's actually a, a book written and I, I should have had this with, uh, with me, but there, you can look it up. It's called walking on eggshells. Um, okay. and it, it's, it's literally about living with somebody with, with borderline personality disorder and how to, um, you know, work through that, overcome that, help them, um, so it's, it's, a, it's a really good book, but, um, that's, that's literally what it felt like was, was I had to walk on eggshells all the time because I never knew, um, you know, when, when the next, um, explosive rage was going to come or when I was going to be, um, you know, punished for something that I, that, that isn't something that is actually a big deal, you know, mm-hmm. um, right, I'm, trying to, right. I'm trying to think of like examples, um, well, actually, let me let me get into this. So this is probably the biggest, big, uh, excuse me, biggest example. Um, when I was when I was 15, I actually met uh, my wife when we were 15. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, so we're we're high school sweethearts. Um, met met snowboarding, and uh, yeah, so we <laughs> we we actually still snowboard to this day because that's that's where it started. So, oh, um, so cute. you guys are so cute. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, and then well, I, let me actually get, get into this first. So 
we, we started dating in high school um, and, and for a little while things were okay. Um, but then my parents started putting like weird restrictions on how and when I was able to spend time with my girlfriend. Um, and it, it would, it, it was like very, very managed because they, they didn't want me to, you know, have sex or, um, right. you know, any, anything like that. And so I was allowed, it was, it was really weird. I was allowed two, two days a week, a Tuesday and a Thursday. Um, one day I could go to her house and then the other day she could come to my house for two hours. And that was like the only time they would allow me to even like see my girlfriend. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like just, just really weird. Um, like just really weird rules. And they almost, almost identically mirrored the rules of the Mormon church. Right. Well, Um, yeah. Yeah. And so they, they set all these weird restrictions and me being defiant, I just said, fuck you. I'm going to do what I want. I, you know, I'd sneak out in the middle of the night, yeah. steal my dad's truck and go, go pick up my girlfriend. And oh and hell yeah, we'd spend, you know, a few more hours together. So, um, I mean, it's just kind of like interesting to me that parents don't realize if they set those super strict, like weird rules that don't even make sense. It's like, you're just asking your kid to break the rule. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it was, it was just so extreme. Like literally every part of my life was, was, was watched. I didn't, I didn't have any privacy. Like every time, every time I would go, you know, to buy a, buy a CD before I could even unwrap it, I had, I'd have to give it to my parents. They'd unopen it, you know, and read through the, through the pamphlet and like all the lyrics uh, if there was like anything in there they throw it away and I didn't get my money back oh um, no <laughs> yeah, so you so, didn't have Nellie's country grammar did growing up did you <laughs> no no, no Nellie no. <laughs> no and it was it was it was like dumb things so um like like Blink-182 you know their album take off your pants and jacket they saw that oh yeah and they're like oh Satan garbage yeah you know? They're and, telling you to take off your clothes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's just stupid fun music. But, um, so, you know, again, I would buy a CD and I'd have to hide it, you know, um, if I was buying like skateboarding or snowboarding magazines and it had, you know, there was a, there was a picture of a girl in a bikini somewhere in the magazine, I'd have to hide it. Otherwise my mom would come in and rip it out. Aww. And just, just like no, no privacy. Um, and it's just uh, so, fostering like this secrecy and fostering not communicating because, and exactly. like you said, it's because of the rules of the Mormon church that they were. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. And so they, they, they set these rules, like you're saying, based on the rules of the Mormon church, like mm-hmm. no, no sex before marriage. Like, listen, you know, even if it's not like scripture, but you have to listen to good music and you can only like, um, you know, watch or listen or read things that are, are church approved kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. and so if there was anything like brought into the house that was not that it was, it was a, a major deal and I was, you know, severely punished. Uh, uh, so, uh, so anyways, going on to, um, my girlfriend, obviously, you know, we, we were sneaking out, um, started having sex. Um, my, my parents found out, you know, a few months few months later and decided to send me to a place called the Utah boys ranch. <gasps> oh, no. 
Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, I literally like the hairs on my arm just stood up. Um, I've heard about this a little bit about places like this. I'm really glad that you're gonna tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So, um, Ooh. Utah Boys Ranch. It, it's not. I, I wouldn't say like owned or commissioned or even like sponsored by the Mormon Church, but everything there was was Mormon. Mormon. Um, yeah. So like all the counselors, um, like they were all, all Mormon and it was all, you know, Mormon, Mormon doctrine. Um, yeah. we'd have to go to a, a Mormon church every Sunday, even though there was, there was probably 300, 300 kids in this place, uh, you know, at, at any given time and from all different religions, um, you know, atheism, you know, all different kinds of, of religious background, but they had to go to a Mormon church every Sunday. Oh my God. And um, go to that Saturday meeting. Yeah. <gasps> were these like all supposedly kids who like quote unquote were troubled or needed help or something? Yeah, exactly. So this is it's it's a like a troubled youth facility. And holy shit. And I just want to say, you guys, what Landon braid in here was because he really liked his girlfriend and had sex with her. Oh, how troubled. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And the, and uh, we would call each other, you know, late at night and yeah, like, holy uh, shit, you my, cannot do that. My mouth is on the floor right now. Like, my jaw is on the floor. Like, I just, your parents sent you here because of that, because you were being a normal teenage boy. Like, that yeah. is. Wow. That's up. Okay. Crazy, yeah. crazy. Um, but yeah, so it is, it, it is a, a troubled youth facility. And I think it, it's, they've incorporated, um, both boys and girls into it now. But when I was there, it was strictly boys. Okay. Um, but you basically, you go to school. Um, it's, it's like a live-in facility and there's, um, like several different houses that, you know, 25, 30 boys are split up into and, and there's like house parents and, um, you go, you know, you go to school, uh, you go to church and then you go to like therapy and you have like therapy, you know, sessions in the house and um we would have to we'd have to all get on our knees every night and say a prayer and every morning we'd wake oh up and my get God. on our knees and say a prayer and like i said like hmm. there's there's people from all different kinds of religious yeah. backgrounds and they were forced to practice the mormon mormon religion in this That place. is so unethical. I hate that. Yeah, how is that even legal? Like how can they do that? Yeah, honestly, I I don't know, and I know this place. Like I've I've looked into it um, several times after I had been there, and th- there's there's been a lot of um, abuse allegations and investigations and um, all all kinds of things. And I I remember when I was there, I I saw kids that were like 11, 12 years old getting slammed on the ground by you know a 280 pound man. <gasps> oh my so, god! This is probably a really <laughs> silly question and this shows how much i'm obsessed with trash tv and reality tv but is this related to like uh the school that paris hilton went to because then she go to something similar to this in provo and had abuse um in one of these types of schools i don't know obviously it's probably not the same one but um sounds like no yeah no you're right it is it is actually a different one and i um the one that she went to um is more of like a um addiction treatment therapy kind of like detox um kind of place whereas the one i went to was more of of behavior training if that makes any sense but yeah yeah, i mean 
I, I can imagine the abuse in these places is identical around the world. That's so sick. And so, so again, I went to this place because, you know, I was being a normal teenage boy and had a girlfriend and was having sex. Um, and they, uh, they took me into the, into this hospital, actually into the mental hospital for like several days before sending me to the boys ranch. Um, just to kind of what? figure out what to do with me, right? And uh, they, they and, uh, what they say I know I'm over here with my hands over my face. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it's so crazy. And now, like, it was so long ago. I look back at it now, and I I can laugh and and just it, it was so ridiculous. But so I think I spent four days in the mental unit of the hospital, um, and to be admitted into this, um, you know, they, they drug tested me and I had smoked pot like three times. Um, and of course it was, it was in my system and my parents were like, Oh, you know, we don't, we don't think he's doing drugs and then find out, you know, I had, I had weed in my system (laughs) and you can imagine like the the look on their faces. Yeah. I like, I could just, I'm having like a visceral reaction right now because I feel like you and I kind of had similar experiences as teenagers where like I rebelled a bit. I did a little bit of stuff, but then I was like still in the church. I can just imagine if my parents, first of all, like caught me sneaking out to do the hanky panky. Then <laughs> like they somehow found out like the very, very small amount of times I ever tried weed. If <laughs> Oh my God. Like I'm like red. My face is red. Cause I'm, like, <laughs> I know that feeling. Like I can just picture it. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, just just normal kid shit, but it's yeah. like it's like when when they found out, oh, they they thought there was there was no saving me that I was I was going straight to hell. Yeah, that's you know? like the end of the world for yeah, sure. Yeah, and I'm like a 15 year old kid. I still have my whole life, and I'm like, I you know, what I did is not a big deal. Like let's oh. like get over it. Let's move. Yeah. On. But Let's like instead, not dwell on this and send me to a mental hospital. A mental hospital, yeah. Oh, and and the shit. funny thing about this place, so not the mental hospital, but the boys' ranch. Um, I went in there as like, I had smoked pot three times and had sex with my girlfriend, and there was kids in there that um who had attempted murder, who were like, <gasps> who had like molested their siblings or like oh. other other people. There were um like heroin addicts and gang oh. members and like just just yeah. i i went into this and i i had no idea about any of this stuff right and i came out like pretty much knowing how to cook meth where i could find <laughs> and <laughs> sorry to laugh but it is just kind of ironic that like yeah. it set you there thinking you were so wrong and it was gonna fix you and then you're like hey i learned all this other stuff when yeah, I was- exactly yeah. Exactly. And it's so stupid because like insurance doesn't cover a place like this. And it's, it was like $80,000 for me to be in there. for <gasps> Shut the fuck oh up. Oh my $80, God. $80,000. Yeah. Wow. So, so they, they were so determined to get me back on the straight and narrow that like <laughs> they were willing to spend 80 grand to, you know, have me corrected. And uh, been, like a down payment of on a house, like for your future, yeah. like all of these. Oh, yep. That's wild. That and, just... Yeah. And, and the shitty thing about it is I actually found out a lot of that money they had been saving for me um, for when I like went on a mission or like got married and bought a house. 
but they spent it on the boys' ranch. I hate that so much. I hate yeah. that. Yeah. So there's, so there's that. Um, let me. Uh, I kind of want to jump ahead a little bit. Um, so went th- went through the boys' ranch, um, got out, kind of rebelled a little bit, and you. <laughs> so you guys are gonna think this is hilarious because this is like totally what what is expected in, in Mormonism, but I got married to, um, this, this same girlfriend that I was sent to the boys ranch when I was 18 and she was 18. (laughs) (laughs) It is so perfect. Isn't that hilarious? (laughs) And there's the, I think subconsciously and maybe consciously there was, there was several reasons for it. Um, and you've got to remember like we were dating for, since we were 15, like we, we had been dating three years. Like we knew each other pretty Mm -hmm. well. Um, like she stuck with me as I was sent to the boys ranch, um, like waited for me to come out. And then three months later, um, I turned 18, got kicked out of the house. And then a couple months after that got married. (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, I I was about to ask if she was Mormon, but where you live, I'm going to assume yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, and, and she's, she comes from a little bit different. So she is Mormon, um, but she wasn't necessarily like raised active. Um, okay. She grew up in, in New Mexico um, for a lot of her life and then, and then uh, moved to, moved to Utah um, okay. and was just never, never really active until like we got married. Um, and so getting married at 18 was to my parents kind of like, you sent me to this place for this girl. Yeah. Um, who I, I, I love and uh-huh. you can't deny, like, you can tell me that I don't, but I know I do. So yeah. fuck you. I'm getting married. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, also p- to go along with that, getting married at 18 meant that I couldn't go on a mission because, right. you know, I'm married now. And so um, I was just about to ask that, like, yeah. if, Cause I was going to make a joke about, I'm assuming your wife didn't do the garment check with you then (laughs) you go on a mission. (laughs) No, no. Um, yeah. So they, they were like doubly pissed that I married the girl that this, they sent me away from or sent me away for, and that Mm -hmm. I didn't go on a mission. Um, and then at the same time, my, my dad was still the Bishop and, um, the Bishop is supposed to hand out a seminary graduation, um, to the kids, like to the people in his ward that graduated from seminary. And I, I had skipped seminary so often that I didn't graduate seminary. And so (laughs) when I was, when I was 18, I, I got kicked out on my 18th birthday, um, found an apartment, but I was, I was stoked because then this meant that I could see my girlfriend whenever I wanted. Um, and you know, do whatever I wanted. But, um, yeah, so I got, got kicked out married the girl that they sent me away from didn't graduate seminary. And my dad had to hand out diplomas to every, everybody else in the ward, but me. And <laughs> they, they were so embarrassed and so mad at me. Um, oh and then, my and then God. Didn't go on a mission. So. Oh, um, because that goes back to what you mentioned. One of the characteristics of like having to be presented to the outside world as everything is perfect. And, that they have the, you know, complete perfect family or whatever. And like, you literally did the opposite of everything <laughs> that they I love it. would want. 
<laughs> and I've got to say, I am impressed that you skipped seminary so much that you didn't graduate because I hated seminary so much. Oh, and I wish that okay. I would have had, I wish I would have had the guts to just not go because it was so pointless and so stupid. <laughs> I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I looked at it as a way, cause like you don't, they call it like free time in in utah i know other places you go like early morning or whatever but it's actually like during school hours yeah. you go to seminary yeah and and it doesn't count against your attendance um and so i i figured that was a good hour and a half that i could skip and go go hang out with my girlfriend <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean it's just the logical conclusion really it's exactly. like okay this doesn't right. hurt my like gpa because this is a different thing and i just don't need to go to this this is all made up <laughs> exactly yeah and it, it like i was i was forced to go to church like i i when i say that i i literally didn't have a choice to be like hey i you know i'm kind of tired i don't really want to go today like i'm not feeling great i had to go to church all my life until I was 18. And um, so there's that. I'm like forced to go to church on every Sunday. And then I have to go to an hour and a half class about church every oh. other day of the week. Like, are you oh. kidding me? And you have to go to mutual. You said you were forced to go to that too. Oh when, yeah. Yeah. Right. Forced to go to yeah. mutual. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just so stupid. Um, but so, um, and I know we're kind of running out of time, but um no, so, no, keep going. Yeah, you're okay. good. <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> um, so uh, my wife and I were married for for two years. Got you know, 18, 19. Um, when we were when we were 20, um, we were invited to go do you know the um, stereotypical Utah summer alarm sales. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we did that. I know so many people who did this. <laughs> yeah. And oh. I'm going to tell you, it is it is such bullshit and such a scam. And <laughs> I, I, I went out and worked for three months and ended up owing the company money. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah, I hate it. I, I just feel I know that they're not like MLMs, but a lot of them feel like they are. It's, yeah. it's very similar. It's yeah. a lot of the same kind of, of um, people and yes. like 99.8% of them are, you know, Mormon, Mormon douchebags with their big trucks and their, <laughs> I can just, I like know these people. So I like have people in my life that they're not my yep. friends, like people I know and like friends of friends. And I can just picture this, this person perfectly yep, in my mind. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. So um, we we got invited actually by um, my my cousin. He was he was going to be like the manager of this office. And um, to make a real long story short, he 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 basically got us um, reactivated in the church because this this two years before 18 19 um, that my wife and I were married, we decided to just party our tits off and <laughs> yes. have a good time. Yes. Um, so we, we did just that. And then he, he, uh, reconverted us and it was, it was kind of, kind of strange because he had kind of a similar like upbringing to, to me and was rebellious and then, um, you know, had spiritual experiences, went on a mission, blah, blah, blah. So he, he kind of reconverted us and, hmm. um, obviously the, you know, this whole office that we're going out with, there's probably 
15 other like couples, maybe a few other like single guys. Every single one of them was, was very, very Mormon. Yeah. Um, and so yep. the, the place that we went to do the sales was in Buffalo, New York. Um, ah, cool. yeah, it was, it was a, it was a pretty cool place. Like I had never been to that part of the country. Um, and it was, it was, that was, that was a cool experience. Um, knocking on people's doors and trying to sell them shit they don't need sucked. Um, but we, we became pretty good friends with, uh, with this group of people and became like really converted into the church and just, just went all in. Like I, I took out my lip piercings and, and my earrings and, you know, put them in a drawer and, and started wearing, you know, the, the, the stereotypical, you know, Mormon, Utah Mormon <laughs> outfit. Um, I'm picturing khakis. Yep. (laughs) I think it's so interesting. It's almost like it's almost like it was a mini cult to get you back into the church, and you just felt like you had all these friendships with people, and so it kind of makes sense that you would you would join back into their group. Yeah, yeah, and so, and and I know you guys have mentioned it before in the past, like the church preys on 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 the week, right? People yes. that are, are, you know, struggling with something or, or, you know, feel like they have a hole in their life or something. Right. And so yeah. I feel like that's, that's probably where I was at this point. Um, and obviously taken advantage of, but, mm-hmm. um, so, so anyways, we're, we're out in Buffalo and we're, we're becoming fully converted and we, we felt like it was, it was a sign from God because Palmyra is like a 45 <laughs> minute drive from Buffalo. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. And so I think we went out there like probably twice a month, every, you know, on Sunday and, and went through the Sacred Grove and the, the Joseph Smith Farm and the Hill Camorra and, and all that shit. And, <laughs> and it's it, it, it's weird, actually, like, um, and I know people you've had on your show before have kind of mentioned this, too. Like, I I remember, like, having... Or, or feeling like I was having, you know, spiritual experiences, like in, in these moments. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so like now being out of the church, like looking back on it, like I, that feeling was there, but I know now it's like, that's not, that's not the spirit. Right. That's just me. Um, I think a lot of it is like my, my subconscious is telling me like, you're in this place, you're supposed to feel good. So I'm going to manufacture this, this good mm-hmm. feeling and then you're you're going to justify it and say that it's the spirit and mm-hmm. so um yep. I, I i think i've i've come to come to realize that like these these so-called spiritual experiences that i had in the church were manufactured like the, the feeling is real but it's it's manufactured um, yeah that's exactly how i feel too i i look yeah. back and i've i you know you feel those feelings you feel it when you were bearing your testimony and you'd cry or whatever and I think a lot of it is too it's yeah manufactured and then you're surrounded by people who are also feeling those feelings and it's like you are told that it's the spirit so you believe that it is and then you leave the church and you're like oh I was just experiencing an emotion (laughs) I don't have to place that on the Holy Ghost yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly I think that's a good point like being around other people that are supposedly feeling the same way um, mm-hmm. there's, there's energy in that. And so, yeah, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's, it's feeling the spirit is bullshit. It's just an emotion. <laughs> <laughs> it's just 
that emotion. You can have, I, I think it's, I think that's one of the most interesting. Cause I remember when I was leaving the church too, and, and Mormon friends would say, but, but didn't you, you know, we were together once when you said you felt the spirit, like, how can you deny that? And that was something that I really, I was hung up on for a while because I was like, that is true. But then when you leave the church and you experience other things in life that are actually positive you're like that's the same feeling I had because in that moment I'm feeling happy I'm positive I'm around people who I think love me and I think it's that manipulation in the church where you feel like that's that these people around you love you or that I'm sure some of them do but like it's this sense of everyone's feeling this way so you kind of feel that way as well like you have that same feeling unless it's in the temple. And then that feeling, I was just like, that shit's weird. Like, <laughs> I don't have that feeling yeah. there. And yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's, it's just an emotion, as you said, it's not related. The church doesn't own that feeling. Everyone experiences that. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, in the CES letter, one thing that actually kind of stuck out to me is he mentions like, you know, feeling the spirit. And there he, he points out that um, people bearing their testimonies in like the FLDS church and, and Jehovah's witness and things like that. Like they all say the same thing and they all claim to feel the same thing. And so like, if, if the church claims they're the only true church and, and the only way to feel the spirit is through them, then how come all these other, you know, religions are having the same experience? Yep. Such a good point. Yep. And even people who aren't religious have like incredibly special experiences that are emotional. Uh, it yeah, so it's just like okay, now we understand that is a human experience, a human emotion, not yeah. the Holy Ghost. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think Jeremy Jeremy Rennell's in in the CES letter talks about like yeah, I felt the spirit watching Schindler's List. Like that's yeah, yeah, exactly. Like spiritual or like that's not that's not Mormon related in any way. Like. That right. You just you just feel an emotion, an emotional reaction to something. So. Yes, 100%. Um, yeah. So, um, kind of, I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit. I have I have tons of notes here, so <laughs> sorry. Um, but so after after this point, we we came home and we're we're 110% invested um, in in the Mormon religion. You know, my mind, body, spirit, everything. Um, we uh, we ended up getting sealed in the temple because obviously we were married civilly before we got sealed in the San Diego temple um, oh, like cool. like a year after we got back from Buffalo. Wow. Um, and so and then we came home from that and um decided to start a family. We have we have three amazing kids right now. Oh. Um, yeah, they're they're twelve, eight, and four, and oh, they're sweet. they're wonderful. They're they're amazing, but. Um, yeah, so we, up until, um, let's see, 20, 2020 is when we were like all in the church, true true believing Mormons. Um, and kind of, it's, it's funny because I think there's a lot of, a lot of people that have had similar, um, like leaving the church experiences at the same time. And basically what, what pushed it was, um, COVID. So yeah. That's, I mean, honestly, we've had so many listeners tell us that, and I just find it really fascinating that, I mean, of course, the pandemic was absolutely horrendous and it's still going on, but like that is one sliver of positivity that came from 
the COVID and the pandemic is that it's it basically allowed people to really take a step back and re-examine their religion or their beliefs. And mm-hmm. so when you don't have that constant brainwashing every single week, it's it's easier for you to be like, wait, is this true? Like, do I believe this stuff? What's happening? Right, right, exactly. And so um let's see it was it was in april of 2020 i was i uh, had just started a job and i was there for like almost almost a year at this point um because i i had been working for my family company for basically my whole life and decided like i i'm done working with my family gonna go find something to do myself found this job um really really loved it uh was it was it was a, a fun job paid well like everything i wanted and then COVID hit and in April I was laid off and uh. yeah. Um, and so, and I ended up being laid off until, uh, November. So oh, from April to November, I didn't have a job. Wow. Um, wow. and the, so the day that I got laid off, I came home, like that was, it was, it was pretty devastating. Cause like, you know, I'm the provider of the family. Obviously my wife works too, but like, I feel so much pressure as, as like the man and coming from the, the, the background of the Mormon church, like I'm supposed to be the provider, you know, my wife's supposed to be the, you know, at home, stay at home with the kids. Like yeah. I, I'm, right. I'm a failure now. I'm a failure. So, uh. um, and so I, I come home and my wife and I were just devastated. We're sitting there and we look at each other and we, we both go, I, I need a drink. yeah Yeah, like we just didn't know we just didn't know how to how to cope with it any other way and um I mean we had we had gone through periods of of like few months of inactivity um you know before where we would we'd you know slip up and (laughs) slip up and you know drink or whatever but um so at this point we're like I, I need a drink and so I you know got some got some vodka and we got way too hammered for people that hadn't drank in like seven years <laughs> oh, no I mean, which were the hard stuff you went for vodka straight away didn't eat oh, yeah. into it at all oh yeah and i mean to be fair like we had been experienced with with drinking and you know smoking weed and you know having having a good time <laughs> but like i said it, it had been like seven or eight years since we had done since anything. you had as you said partied your tits off yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. yeah exactly um so, so yeah, that, and then that kind of started it, um, you know, the, the, the slipping up and, and the drinking and then being home, um, then churches were closed. Yeah. Um, and, and so we're just, we kind of had our, our, uh, I'm trying to think of like, um, our, our free time to kind of just sit and, and think for ourselves instead mm-hmm. of having an outside influence tell us how to think. Yeah. Um, and so, like like I'm sure thousands of other ex Mormons right now have have gone through. You kind of get that. You, you get away from it, and then you can you can kind of get a fresh a fresh perspective. So right. Um. So yeah, we well, and th- at this time we started talking to um my my brother and and his wife and um I'm gonna say former sister. Uh, they are non-binary right now. Um. Okay. And so started started talking with them. They're they're both out of the church. Um, they have okay. been out of the church for a while. Um, 
my my younger sibling, um, formerly my <laughs> my sister, trying to. It's it's strange to me because, you know, it's it's fairly new, and I I want to be respectful. Um, yeah. And and sensitive. So, but but to clarify, my my former sister now now my sibling. Um, the, the story around that with my family is, is kind of interesting because, um, when they, when they came out, they came out as, as, as bisexual and, and they're kind of transitioning, kind of finding themselves right now. And, um, I, it, it's, it's actually pretty amazing to, to witness and, and watch somebody, you know, find out who they actually are yeah. and their true identity. So, yeah, that's um, wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. But I remember, um, several years ago when they, when they came out, my, my, my mom especially was like, oh, you know, it's, it's just a phase. Uh. Um, she's just trying to get attention, um, uh. you know, blah, blah, blah. We're, we're going to ignore it and it, it's just going to go away. Uh, no, and that's not how that works. <laughs> exactly. And no. And so after like kind of becoming inactive and talking, talking with them and my brother, um, this is this is actually the point where I had realized for sure that that um, my mom had borderline personality disorder. And at this time, you know, we're going through through marriage counseling and I'm uncovering, you know, all these all these toxic behaviors um, in myself. Um, you know, I, I had become very good at, at manipulating and gaslighting and and um, just just keeping keeping things secret because that's. Mm that's you know how i grew up it's like way. If there's yeah well like, yeah something i don't want you know or i think that somebody else is going to disapprove of i hide it yeah that, yep. was, that was for me the easiest thing to do we, and ex- just extremely unhealthy you know you have all this stuff and you know all this all this baggage that you're carrying around and and you're you're just worried that somebody's going to find out right you're constantly worried that somebody's going to catch you or somebody's going to find out all your all your dirty little secrets um, and so it's just, it was a, a very uncomfortable way to live. And so going through this counseling and, and speaking with my, um, my siblings and, and kind of breaking down the, the, uh, the, the issue of borderline personality disorder, as well as the, the church and how they, they both played such, uh, um, a large unhealthy role in my life and basically manipulated me until I was, you know, 30 years old. And, um, there's, there's, there's still like a lot of, of deconstructing that I'm having to do, um, regarding, regarding both aspects. Um, and, and right now leaving the church, it's, um, and and I want to, I want to point out too, I, um, started listening to you guys like earlier this year. Um, it was probably back in January or February, I actually decided, um, to read the CES letter. And I, I hadn't been going to church obviously since 2020, um, basically just was like, you know, fuck it. I don't, I don't feel like doing it. And then this year is kind of really where like, I am, it, it, it's, it's realizing that I basically sold my soul to a cult for yeah. my whole life. Yep. It's, it's that phase. Like you're in that point where I think that we all go through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. And you're yeah, like, holy shit, what did I believe and what did uh, I pay into? And uh, yeah, there's so many aspects of it that you have to deconstruct. I mean, Sarah and I still are deconstructing it. Uh, oh, it, God, yeah. it just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I I'm 
pretty convinced it's it's going to be a lifelong you know a lifelong uh, journey and mm-hmm. um and i know you guys have mentioned it before where you know the the longer it takes the easier it gets to kind of deconstruct things and and yeah. change your perspective but um like when i was when i was reading the ces letter and then uh, you know finding you guys and, and other podcasts and and just like realizing i had i had been living and been a part of a lie my my whole life and as you guys know like that that pisses you off and you're yeah. you're all of a sudden like who am i um you know how how am i going to find myself um you know i've i've lost this much of my life to something that is complete bullshit um i i need to find out like who i am now and um, I was, I was kind of thinking about, so I, I work in construction and so I'm going to use this, this kind of <laughs> metaphor. Um, but let's say like you're, you're remodeling your kitchen and, um, you know, you start, you start tearing off, um, you know, countertops and pulling up the floorboard and you, and you find, you know, rot under the floor. Like you weren't, mm-hmm. you weren't expecting it there. Um, you, you know, you're changing yourself, but there's this, this disgusting rot under there. Now you have to identify, or you have to address it mm-hmm. and and deal with it clean it up before you can move on to the next part of of um finding your identity and defining yourself and i think that's that's where i'm at right now is i'm i'm still finding um like really disgusting things or ways that i would have thought before um yeah. that now i am completely disgusted that like that's that's how i used to think like yeah um Oh my God, that metaphor yeah. is so perfect. It's mm-hmm. it's so perfect, and I I think everyone listening can relate. And it's like you're you're discovering these awful things, not only about the church, but then yeah, you actually believed them and perpetuated them, and it's tough to yep. deal with. Uh, it's it's tough, but it gets easier. And I think you might. I mean, if you've listened to the epos- episodes and you, you've started from the beginning, you see like the journey and the phases that we go through and like <laughs> yeah. how, you know, you're, you're going through almost identical steps. And it's, and as you mentioned, it's, it's, I think it's the same. It's going to be a lifelong thing. It's, there's always things that are going to pop up or might trigger our past, especially with the Mormonism and everything like that. And it's just different phases and just recognizing that and knowing that that's just kind of what, what we have to deal with forever but at the same time we have the support we have this community we have all these people like it's it's great to be able to reach out and feel validation and that you're not alone like yeah so many people are going through the exact same phase of leaving the mormon church at this time yeah and it's important i think it's really great that like you face those i don't like you know demons whatever whatever you want to call them you face like the awful gross stuff because a lot of people just shove it down and don't deal with mm-hmm. it and then it erupts. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so it's kind of funny. I was listening to, you know, all your, your past uh, episodes. Um, you, you talk a lot about like white Mormon men, right? And <laughs> yeah. There's, like that, yeah. <laughs> there's that disgusting like stereotype of a, of a white Mormon man. And you, you, you say those three words and you can, you can picture it. <laughs> um, and I, I kind of like to throw myself under the bus a little bit. I want to validate like what you guys are saying, because I was that 
that douchey white Mormon man with, you know, bigoted thoughts and, um, you know, sexist thoughts. And, and so now like I'm having to, I'm having to address those, those same thoughts when they come up and, and correct it and change, change my, my perspective. And, and, um, it, it's a paradigm shift, right? Like you're, yeah. you, you have to actively, uh, rewire your, your brain. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. um, I don't know that like got me kind of emotional. Um, that's just incredibly validating. Um, because yeah, we do talk about that a lot. And then a lot of men actually get upset or they don't like our show because we point that out. And I just think, I think that's amazing of you to yeah. just fully recognize that and to not shy away from it and to validate uh, what we, what we've been saying. I, I just, I, I thank you, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'm not being very eloquent, but thank you. No, no, absolutely. I, I, uh, I want to I want to bring as much validation to your your podcast and the community you guys have have built because I I can't imagine being in in the part of my journey of leaving the church right now without um without a supportive community and without um you know listening to other people that have gone through the same experiences and it, it it's it's pretty incredible that there is this community that you guys have created I know there's there's you know reddit and and a lot of other things but i i've i've really kind of um i i i found that i enjoy um listening to you and being a part of your community more than more than anything else because oh. you guys are so real um there's there's the humor aspect of it <laughs> and so i i definitely want to validate <laughs> what you guys what you guys are doing and, and saying oh, um 100%. thank you oh i oh, wish that we okay. had like I wish we had so much more time because I feel like we just scratched the surface of your story. <laughs> well, yeah. here's the beautiful thing is we can always have a round two at episode two, a follow up with you, Brayden, to see where you are in your journey as well. Because I think, I mean, I know we say it almost every time we have guests on, but it's still true every time is that someone listening to this episode and to your story is going to resonate to some part of it, if not all of it, and really do a lot of help. And especially you know, just not just your personal experiences, but your self-recognition, like your self-reflection, all of these things that you're highlighting and pointing out, which a lot of times, you know, people aren't able to do. And there was a lot of times in the Mormon church, and even after I was leaving, where I wanted to ignorantly just ignore some of the things I did as a Mormon in the past. And that includes like having a belief in a doctrine that I knew was racist, but I still continued to pay into it. Or, you know, the sexism was definitely there towards women, but also at the same time, I carried some of that stuff into my own relationships after the church where I had expectations on my partners to be a certain way, a certain stereotype of a male because of the church, you know? So there's certain like things that you have to deconstruct and really get to know like, wow, that's, that's problematic. And I believed in that. And I supported these things, even though I might've questioned them in my head or thought like, oh, I don't think that's right but I didn't leave sooner. So it, I think it's, it's really great that you're, you're able to express that, to identify that and to come to a platform and, and share that with everyone and be vulnerable. I think yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much for that. I mean, it, to be honest, I was, I was pretty nervous, <laughs> um, you know, about, about coming on and, and, and talking with you. Um, but I, I, 
at the same time, the feeling of the possibility that maybe what I'm going to share could help somebody or at least resonate with somebody um, like that, that hope was, was more strong than, you know, my, my own anxieties or um, things like that. Cause that's, that's really what, what I want to bring and, and um, is just an, you know, an hour of, of um, man, some therapy to somebody maybe. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Yeah. I know it's going to resonate with lots of people. I, I and I didn't even talk about a coffee poo once this episode. So <laughs> well, there it is. <laughs> nice. I was I was waiting for it to be honest. <laughs> what, you gonna talk about poop or farts or <laughs> anything? I mean, it's it's almost daily, but not this episode. Give me a give me some time back, and I. I I'll yeah. Brayden, that was amazing. Thank you so much for being on this episode. Like honestly. Your vulnerability is incredible and all the things that you touch base on, like everyone's going, whoever's listening, they're going to not only resonate, but it's going to help them in some way. It's helped yeah. me. Like it's a yeah, reminder me. for me. Like mm-hmm. it's something that I'm like, shit, like that was me a few years ago. And it's a good reminder and refresher to know that you go through these phases, but you make it out on the other end and you're stronger for it. And yeah, yeah. I just want to say yeah. thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being on. <laughs> yeah, of course. I thank you. Thank you so much for, for this opportunity. Like it, it, it's been a blast. It really has. It's, it, it's gone by so fast. Like I, I know. How like, does that time go by so fast? <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's been a lot of fun and therapeutic really for, good, good. for me to, to come on and talk with you. That's so true. thank you so much. Oh yeah. Oh, all right, listeners, I guess we'll wrap that up right there, but um, thank you all for listening and have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.